Hi, everybody. This is Don Mitchell, and welcome to Dawn of Sports. Today, we're going to take you behind the scenes. You hear so many things about sports as a business, blah, 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 but it really is. We're going to talk to Dr. Tiffany Richardson. She's a former professor at the University of Minnesota and other colleges around the country for sports management. She's currently a sports consultant and analyst. She does environmental impact, live events, stadium dynamics, all things that you may not know about, but we're going to delve into it because if you want a life in sports, there's so much more than being a broadcaster and a writer or a DM. So I think you're going to like it. Yes, this is Dawn of Sports, starring Dawn Mitchell from Fox 9. We're going to actually mention Fox 9 a little bit later in the show as re- in regards to the Minnesota Aurora, a local team we highlight all the time. One of the, We talk about all the sports here, but we definitely highlight women's sports whenever possible. And this is a great week to do that because I was out at the World Cup cross-country skiing last weekend, and Jesse Diggins... Uh, listen, a lot of people get credit, uh, World Cup, for bringing it here, the Loppet Foundation, Stifle. There are a lot of people who get credit for that being a great event. But it all began with Jesse Diggins wanting to have a World Cup race in her hometown. First time World Cup races had been in the United States since 2001. Ends up leading to the first American man victory in a World Cup race uh, since 1983. I mean, amazing things happened this weekend. And it all came down to Jesse Diggins wanting it to happen putting it together, bringing the World Cup to a Minneapolis public park, and then Jesse uh, coming from behind to get on the podium on Sunday. Great moment. You know, Jim, just you recapping that gave me chills all over again. You know, just she is such an infectiously happy, kind person um, that it almost, you know, flies in the face of the fact that she's so steely determined and, you know, disciplined. Um, you know, you're like, wow, she's like the kindest, nicest person you've ever met. And just to see her beaming, like there's a feeling like this, this will never happen again. Like the feeling that she did that. And can we say in like the warmest winter and the history of Minnesota to pull it off was nothing short of a miracle. It was almost, it is a Hollywood script. You know, it, it was so fantastic that, um, I didn't think, I'm like, oh no, the conditions are going to be horrible. They're going to have to scrap the event. Oh no, the staff worked their butts off. But just to see Jessie, I interviewed her years ago when she her book came out and she could not have been a nicer person. I, I actually, I usually give away a lot of the bobblehead dolls that you get. You know, people will know the bobbleheads of mm-hmm. various athletes. I kept the Jessie Diggins one. I love her little bobblehead. I love her in person. I love her uh, in bobblehead form. But she is just such an inspiration. And to bring it here, like you said, to a public course, Theo Worth, um, is nothing short miraculous. But that's what she does in her sport. Just unbelievable. Yeah. And you and I have both covered other winter athletes from Minnesota who've, you know, listen, this ski, ski racing is a European sport. That's where it's mm-hmm. held. It's hard to watch. Uh, I've covered other prominent uh, athletes in winter sports who really, you know, they, they don't really care to be ambassadors for the sport and and they're not required to be. And, mm. but she has taken, she took it upon herself to be an ambassador for her entire sport, to be an ambassador for Minnesota, for the twin cities. And this was, this was the 
ultimate culmination of all of her efforts over the year and her greatness over the year. Years. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I mean, she, Lindsay, Lindsay Vaughn, just incredible Minnesota female athletes. And I am not a skier. I can just say that right now. So I, I don't know if this is true, but somebody said, Sometimes the best skiers are from Minnesota and people think it's because of the winter. Yes, but it's about the type of winter they have that they're better on the edge. So if anyone knows if that's correct or not, but that's what someone had told me recently. I'm like, Ooh, I don't really know what that means. I know like an edge of your skate when you're skating, but I think for skiing is something uh, magnificent as well. But I just, I was just so happy to see that. Jesse Diggins smile as she uh, came across for a victory. She also kind of collapsed. She had to push so hard at the end. She collapsed at the end. She almost looked like she was collapsing on the side before she did interviews. She sold out to get on the podium. It would have been a great event. If she had finished fourth, no big deal. Still would have been a great event, great story. But man, it just highlighted it that she could be on that podium as they were celebrating. It was awesome stuff. Mm, and I love that for her too, you know, just for yeah. her personally. What, what, uh, what a little memory for her. No doubt. This is Dawn of Sports. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. We're going to thank our longtime sponsor, Rudy Luther Toyota, who they sponsor and promote and support women's sports in so many ways. Also, uh, if anybody has a man in your life who likes nice clothes, I also highly recommend Twill in the Dining Galleria, my favorite men's clothing store. Uh, we are going to have a lot of topics today. Then we're going to have a, a great interview with Dr. Tiffany Richardson, an old friend of Dawn's, uh, who has been involved in all kinds of sports, all kinds of activism, all kinds of business uh, ventures in the Twin Cities. Just a really interesting person. Highly recommend listening to that later. We'll get to our Minnesota Aurora moment here in a minute. Uh, let's just highlight a couple of other sports things going on around town. Twins opening spring training. The biggest headline there is Byron, Byron Buxton, for the first time in a very long time, has no pain in his knee. Uh, that and and Carlos Correa is healthy. Nothing could be bigger. There will be no greater developments for this team than Byron Buxton being healthy. You know, Jim, usually when you see pictures, videos coming from spring training this time of year, and the guys are just kind of laughing and throwing a ball and catching a ball, you don't think twice. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at Buck. He's laughing and catching and throwing a ball. <laughs> so it was – and he's smiling. And and we have not seen him actually participate and do stuff like that in a long time. And I'm just so happy that not only is, as a person he's healed, but just to see that because he means so much to that clubhouse. And I, I think when he's on top of this game, there's no bigger spark in that other than Carlos Correa, perhaps. Like when, when a veteran spark is needed and they can really show it on the field, um, that's from Buck. And so uh, Jim Rich is down there for us for Fox 9, and he had some stuff with Buck the other day. And I said, you know what? This just feels good. I'm just so happy when you can, usually when a guy's this far along in his career and you start talking about knee issues that reoccur, you you think it's a downward slope, but this looks really good to me. It's the first time he's really had a surgery that made him feel good instead of just yes. moderately hopeful. And there's a right. big and difference the cleanup, there. Right. Yes. The cleanup, and, right. And in terms of Correa, I mean, Correa is a wonderful player. He's an all-star terrible player. Buxton's high end is much higher than Correa's high end. Uh, he can be one of the best players, one of the handful of best players in the game, if he's ever healthy again. 
at least there's a chance now. Now let's segue to another uh, great development. Timberwolves have had a great couple of weeks here. They're on a four-game winning streak. They open, they resume their schedule Friday night at home. They have seven straight home games. They have a fairly easy schedule. They're in first place in the West. They just sent Chris Finch and two players to the All-Star game, and Carl Hedion scored 50 points there. Then they re-signed Mike Conley for the next two years, which is a great move. They are now set up to keep this starting five, maybe their top seven, together for the next two, three years. They have a, a, I don't know why we call it a window. I don't get that. They have a Mm. period of time here where they're going to be championship contenders. And this has never happened before in Timberwolves history, where they they actually have a, not just a one-year shot at something, they can be good for a number of years. You know, I love how you hit the nail on the head. Like everything seems to be rolling at the right time. So it's it's not even like you oh you've got the the talent in place. But the when they went into the All-Star break, I think they just when they cruised, they're playing the Bucks at home. And so the last time they played the Bucks on the road, they just blew them out of the water. I think it was like 129, 105. And I remember that because I'm like, come on, I wanted 130, you know. Um, <laughs> they they can just pile it on. But what I really love is the chemistry as well. And that showed All-Star Weekend when Ant was joking around with Chris Finch, right? We've seen years and years and years of the star kind of butting heads with the head coach. And, you know, you got Carl Anthony Towns, who's happy, playing phenomenal. Uh, I wish he won the three-point contest just again as the big guy, but he seems to really be at ease in his role and playing some of the best basketball I've seen him play. Then you have... Ant, who is so avant-garde in terms of, it's like he's a kid in a candy store just having like the best time of his life. You know, he doesn't give a rip. He's at the All-Star game shooting lefty, right? I mean, he's just living life. Chris Finch, then you got Luca Garza, you got some young guys, uh, just everybody. Mike Conley, uh, like I want to keep my fingers crossed kind of behind my back. Like, let's keep it going. Let's not have this franchise have any other things. Because we felt this way when, when, um, you know, Flip kind of bought the team with KG, right? And you're like, oh, the clouds are parting and the sun is going to shine. And then we know what happened there. I just feel like the clouds are parting and the sun is shining. And like you said, for a long time. And you look at the schedule, they're facing the Bucks again. Like I went down the schedule before we started doing the show and I'm like, that's a win. That's a win. That's a win. I can't remember the last time I said that with the Timberwolves. I'm really enjoying it. No, it's very different, and it is a lot of fun. All right, let's get to our Minnesota Aurora moment. But first, we want to thank, and we remind you, we're coming to from the Aquarius Home Services Studios, and we want to thank Rudy Luther Toyota. Ready for a women-forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. 10 cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. Hey, everyone. It's John Krasinski from The Athletic. And uh, on this podcast network, we have The John Krasinski Show. We have The Viking Update Show, talking Timberwolves and Vikings all the time. And some really fun adventures ready for this summer, including 
partnering with Define Destinations on a wonderful trip to Spain from August 22nd to 29th. And if you sign up for with Define Destinations at definedestinations.com, uh, you can go with me to Madrid and Barcelona. The trip includes airfare from Minneapolis, St. Paul, centrally located hotels, a city tour of Madrid, a city tour of Barcelona. We'll stay in four-star hotels. We'll take some tapas and sangria food tours. They'll have all sorts of different sightseeing adventures. We'll have guided local tours to show us around. Maybe we'll even knock on Ricky Rubio's door. Who knows? But uh, I think it's going to be a great time. Uh, you, you've probably heard Michael Russo talk about these trips and how much fun that they have. And so after a long season with the Timberwolves, hopefully one that goes deep into the spring and early summer, maybe you want to come with me to Madrid and Barcelona in Spain at the end of August for just a wonderful tour. I'm really looking forward to it. Again, sign up at defineddestinations.com. Look for John Krasinski's Spain trip, and I hope to see you out there. All right, our Minnesota Aurora moment is has something to do with your workplace. Tell us about Fox 9 televising Minnesota Aurora games again this year. Yeah, this is great. Uh, for the second straight year, they're going to broadcast the home games for Minnesota Aurora. And this is huge. We all know, I believe in the term, if you can see it, you can be it, right? And not only for young women, but for young boys too, um, to see these women play this sport and we all know that the past years has just been sold out, packed houses, but you can watch it at home if you, you just can't, if you're not physically able to get to a game or if you, you know, your schedule doesn't allow it. Doesn't mean you can't see these, these young athletes participate. So, um, they re-upped a deal with Fox, um, on Fox 9 plus, which I just love that that's going to be another outlet of live games on our sister station. And it's just fantastic. It's also blooming out. They're going to have Minnesota Aurora 2, uh, a second team this year. So kind of a feeder team to Minnesota Aurora. So more opportunities there. And they're even now doing camps. Uh, youth camp registration is now open. And coming up next week, uh, Jessica Poole, you and I talked about her last week, Jim, and about her magnificent article she had on their website um, she's the COO and president of Minnesota Aurora. She will be our guest next week to talk about just this direction. You know, the ball has been handed to her and how she's moving it forward. So it's, um, it's really going to be a great time for women's sports in terms of soccer. And, um, you know, people, all eyes are on the women's U S national team right now. So it all goes hand in hand. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, do you have an FTG this week? You know, I do. Jimmy G. FTG to Jimmy G. Right? All right. You probably think no woman on the face of the earth would say this. You know, I was like, oh, we love Jimmy G. Look at him. He's so handsome. Performance enhancing drugs. I just, especially as a quarterback, I'm done with you. I'm done with that. Um, you know, it, this nowadays, there's no excuse for it. You have so many people that are working with you. You have so many pe people that are advising you, especially in the NFL about, you know, what you can take, what you shouldn't take. Um, I don't know. I don't want to be like a, a school mom and say, shame on you, but you're already struggling, you know? And of course there's the really bad jokes that you can never say on air, but you can say in a podcast, like really PEDs, uh, performance enhancing drugs was his performance enhanced, right? Like, come on. So 
I just think all around FTG, Jimmy G. All right. My FTG is, and we don't spell, we don't tell you what FTG means. We leave it to your imagination. Feel free to <laughs> imagine whatever you want, but you're probably right. Uh, I would say my FTG is Nick Saban com- complaining about the state of college football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, I mean, I, and I, he doesn't He's like NIL. Clean it up. He doesn't clean it up. I mean, I, this is a guy who's made probably hundreds of millions of dollars coaching a game in which the mm-hmm. payer, players were not paid. Uh, so I don't think I need to explain it anymore. Uh, he wanted all the money. He leveraged his popularity and his winning uh, with unpaid players or lowly paid players, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, to make hundreds of millions of dollars and then make more millions of dollars doing national advertisements. Uh, this is what I hate about not all college coaches take this view, but this is I do hate college coaches who do take this view. So FTG, Nick Saban. Well, and I also want to give a good shout out. This is kind of like good. a personal humble brag, if I can take a couple of moments. So yep. one of my best friends, so her kids are like my kids. Um, so I, I kind of do this auntie alert. I'm just letting you know, Pat Spencer. And I don't know if you remember him. Pat Spencer was the number one lacrosse player in the country yep. who won the Tortenton Award. And I always mess up how to say that. But um, then it's, he also went number one overall in lacrosse draft. And he said, you know, my dream is uh, to play D1 basketball. I'm a, I'm a better basketball player. And a lot of people are like, really? What? And he was. He went to Northwestern as a grad, played there. He ended up playing in Europe. Um, and now he's with the G League team for the uh, Warriors out in Santa Cruz. Well, yesterday got his first two-way contract with the Golden State Warriors, so it is not out of the realm for him to be throwing passes to Steph Curry. So he played lacrosse at Loyola, the all-time NCAA leader in assists there, and everybody is saying, you should go back to lacrosse. You can make so much money, but the NBA is his dream. And, um, you know, so after spending three years in Germany and then playing in the G League yesterday, he got his two-way contract with the Warriors. So a not so humble brag. So that's Pat Spencer. Look for him if you guys are Golden State Warrior fans. His brother right now is the starting point guard for UConn, Cam Spencer. I was just out there in New York when UConn beat uh, St. John's. We were there on the Auntie Brigade. All of us got together. So um, I live through my friend's kids. Okay, Jim, just so you know, athletically, I, I am that person. Like, woohoo! So I don't have kids of my own. So I'll do the humble brag that way. That's great Go stuff. Pat. That's a great stuff. And now we will segue into this week's interview with Dr. Tiffany Richardson. Uh, very lively conversation. I know because we've already recorded it. Here it is, Don and Tiffany Richardson. As promised, today's guest on Dawn of Sports, Dr. Tiffany Richardson. Uh, by the way, you know, doing some simple backgrounding, it looks like you attended the University of Amsterdam. I cannot imagine having a better time in college than going to the University of Amsterdam? Or is that one of those uh, one of those online uh, ways of saying that you just had a good time in college wherever you were? No, no, no. That was my post-recovery from living in Minnesota for almost 10 years to escape. We should all go to Amsterdam. That's, that's the way yes. we recover from <laughs> living here. And it was the only way to be legal, right? Because as my uh, landlord said, everybody wants to live here. Are you going to be legal? And I said, yeah, I'll be fine. So I couldn't find, I always tell the story. I couldn't find anybody to marry me. 
I couldn't get find anybody to share citizenship with, so I had to ro- enroll in school. So I enrolled in business school in Amsterdam. That sounds like a great life choice. Mm-hmm. And I suggested for everybody, even younger kids, because it's much cheaper than a U.S. MBA. Wow. Oh. Well, we've already learned a lot. Now I'm going to hand it over to Dawn. We'll learn even more. <laughs> well, I want to give uh, a little more background too. Uh, Tiffany and I first met when she was a professor at the University of Minnesota teaching sports management. And um, I just went to speak in her class with Carrie Clancy, who um, is a producer over at WCCO. I know Carrie, and, yes. Um, you know, kind of like Jim and I, you know, like when I become your friend, you're stuck with me. So <laughs> Tiffany is now stuck with me. Um, but much more than a, pro- a professor, she is a sports consultant and analyst. She does ev- anything from live events, stadium dynamics, environmental impact. She's worked with the Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, X Games, currently working at Smartsheet as well. I don't know when she finds the time. Thanks for waking up early with us, Tiffany, um, doing some business systems analysis. So basically, she's the smartest woman that I know in sports, I lean on her as a friend and a professional. So Tiffany, I'm just so excited. And she went to the University of Amsterdam. So we also know she's smart on a different level, right? Like peace out, Minnesota, sick of the winters. I'm going to go to Amsterdam. So uh, thanks for joining us, Tiffany. I, I know we got you up early, but uh, this is fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. And you know, anything for you except a Monday, but <laughs> Here we are. And thanks for all the kind words. Um, well, I appreciate it. It's true. What made you get into it's it's such a um such a specified area. When people say sports management, all they do is think of, oh, she's like wants to be a CEO or an owner of a team. But there's so many layers and levels to it. How'd you get into it? So I didn't even know what it was back when I was in college. It was um, or my first, you know, when I was working on my undergrad. And so my sport love, I think, came from um, my, I had an aunt who played in the volleyball in the 84 Olympics and um, they won the silver medal. They lost to China. It was in LA and I was very young and didn't understand. All I knew was everywhere we went, somebody was like, can you sign this? Can you sign this? And I was like, oh my God, here we go again. Or if I was at school, the teachers would say, um, is your aunt home? Is she home? I'm like, I don't know. You know where I live? Go ask her. Um, <laughs> and I would have to, they would want me to carry these boxes of, of things home for her to sign. But to me, she was just my aunt. She was Flory, right? And um, right. super tall, used to have to duck through the door jams inside the house. And um you know, so one day she's home and I'm like, oh, okay, she's home. I get home from school and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then she's like, come on, let's go. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> she goes, get in the car. And so we ended up going to the, um, they were doing the rehearsals for the opening ceremonies um, at the Coliseum. And so that is where we went. And I remember like I was holding a ball or something and Carl Lewis and I were like, tossing this volleyball around, but I didn't know. Again, I was like six. Right. So, um, so yeah, so that was my, my entry, my entree into, um, you know, the love of sport. Cause unfortunately she passed away in 1986. Um, 
she was involved in Japan playing volleyball, like on a circuit, because we didn't have one here. Mm-hmm. And um, she wasn't feeling good. So they, they took her out and then they started to lose. So she went back in and then she collapsed on the court. And so um, she oh, passed no. away. And what they found out, and this is where it's so remarkable in how she's contributing to sports as we know it right now, is she had a genetic condition called um, Marfan syndrome. And mm. so now, and you know, think about it, an elite athlete with but the best care of what the 80s could offer, and they didn't know. And she had all the signs, like she was tall and lanky and whatnot. Um, and so immediately after that, they tested everybody in my family. And my uncle had it. My mom didn't. And so they rushed him into surgery. Um, and now it's a, it's a, something that they test for ongoing for kids that are exhibiting these symptoms so they can, um, you know, the consequences, they don't let them play sports anymore. And I know this is a long story, but I just want to tell one more piece to it. So then I end up, so I end up majoring in athletic training because I wanted to be a trainer and I worked in a physical therapy clinic, but I was really bad at chemistry. So I'm not that smart. So I had to switch, I had to switch, I had to switch, right? And so um, my friend JT Klingemeyer was like, um, hey, I just did my my graduate degree in sport management. You should do that. And I was like, oh, okay. But so fast forward, I did that. I go on, I'm at, I'm in Illinois working on my PhD. And a friend of mine in all the classes that we're in, he's tall, he's lanky. And I was like, why don't you play basketball? He goes, oh, I can't. He goes, when I was in eighth grade, I got tested for this uh, genetic condition and I have Marfan syndrome. And um, so wow. he was like one of my best friends throughout the whole. And unfortunately he passed away while I was in Minnesota. Mm. So um, yeah. So, but, but it, there were good things out of that. You know, she has allowed people to find out that they have this, so they don't have to have a tragic ending the way she did. Jeremy had several surgeries and then I think it was his last one that kind of, um, um, didn't kind of click, but you know, um, so yeah, so that's how I got into it. And that's where then I was like, all right, let's go with this thing along with that. Maybe she was my inspiration, but there were other people who were my, you know, my, as Jamie Spencer would say, my sphere of influence, my cheerleaders that Mm -hmm. kept nudging and pushing me. And I'm like you, I'm like a leech. You meet me. I like you. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) Well, Jim, I was going to say, I like how she humbly said, well, when I was in Illinois and I got my PhD, but I'm not smart. Just along the way, I just pick up these, these degrees But I love the personal side of it, Tiffany, because not only did you learn about sport and and have your eyes open, but that these elite athletes are not infallible when it comes to health. And that, you know, like you said, how far behind you you can have the best care in the world and you don't know until you know. Um, So her legacy is testing for that. So that is um, it's kind of a harsh lesson for you to also learn hand in hand with it, but kind of um, maybe some to open your eyes to the realities of the other spokes that come out of sports. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I, as I, I, I probably tell that story maybe a handful of times a year, but at the end of that story, it always makes me smile because mm-hmm. even though she was 31, she had accomplished so much and she was such a star and everybody loved her. And then she did contribute to where we are now. And that's important. And oh, she, she, that, she knows that that's important. So, yeah. Yeah. 
But oh, by the way, I don't just go to school. Um, <laughs> so I was also I was also fortunate enough to before I realized I before you know when you go back to school, this is how it was for me. It just meant I wasn't ready to adult. And every time I could go back to school, then I could just kind of like you know not adult. Um, but in the in between each of those uh, processes, it, they were never all back to back. So I did have a chance to work for the the Angels and the Ducks. Um, the Clippers were my first, um, entry into sports, which was, um, I was an intern in the communications area and I did that for a season. And then I ended up working for the, the, the ducks. They were mighty at that time. They're no longer mighty. Mm-hmm. They're just Anaheim <laughs> ducks. Um, and so we had some first there, right? So I was a, a part of that. I was work, working in operations and it was the first year they went to the Stanley cup and they lost in game seven to the devils. And, um, unique about that is I kind of look back cause we've been that pre in the beginning of that season, we would stand in the, in the, in the vomitory and we'd look at the crowd and be like, Oh my God, the drop is like mm-hmm. 6,600 right now. And that same team ended up going to the playoffs and making it to the cup and taking it to game seven. I had to, one of my roles was to make sure that if the devils won on our ice, I had to make sure that the cup could get down that little strip of red carpet and its handler and all these other things so that they could have the ceremony. Um, and then I worked for the Angels in that same year and we won the World Series. So um, so I come from a place of <laughs> of actively like not only learning via, via textbook, but also, you know, being in the trenches of it. And so. Um, so, yeah, so I've done some things. <laughs> um here the there. interesting thing, the interesting thing too, is when you later went on to teach, you have this vast background of not only the sports, but the organizations, you know, and not only on the team level, but on the, the broader spectrum of maybe the entire NHL. You know, I, when I try to talk to people and say, like, you know, they're all run so differently. There's no re there's no reason why you should ever doubt why the NFL is successful. You know, look at their business dealings, that, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and you can say what you want. The NHL has come a long way, but from being behind way. a long way, I used to say they're the most disorganized organization ever. And now they've come such a long way that it is impressive. How much did you learn too by jumping from one sport to the other from behind the scenes with, oh, well, that's that's not how the NHL does it, but I kind of like this too. Well, what what was a, a life-changing path-choosing moment in my life was the impending lockout that year mm-hmm. after um, the, the series. So we were there was rumors about it this, around the office, the water cooler talk. Like we knew a lockout was coming. So, you know, you had to think ahead. What am I going to do with my job? Because I I worked in operations and at the time Disney owned us under the umbrella of Anaheim Sports Inc. So yes. um, my this the team to just split their marketing departments and their comms departments and their sales departments. So they were no longer um, doing both. They, they each had their own teams. But my department, we kept our responsibilities for both teams. And so I had to interact with all of them, the marketing people, the comms people, the PR, the same thing to get what I needed to get people in the building to understand what, what we were doing with doors and things like that. So when you're, when you're, when you're milling around, 
And I remember this succinctly because I was helping, I was out standing outside right before one of the playoffs games and the vice president or the assistant GM or somebody walks up to me and it wasn't Tony Tavares. Um, and he says, <laughs> I hear you're leaving. And I said, yeah, you know, life choices. And then he said, um, can't you wait it out? And I said, no, <laughs> I said, I have student loans that they're going to come clawing back for, for um, you're going to put, I'm going to be in the mail room, nothing wrong with the mail room for the next year. You know, who knows how long this thing could go. And unfortunately I don't have that kind of time. And he said, I'll have something for you if you wait. And I, and I didn't even work for him. Right. Like he just knew me from milling around the building, yelling at um, Michael Eisner's kid. Um, and so I was just like, nah, dude, I can't do it. I can't wait, but let's get through this game right now. So we could take this cup home. He goes, well, which finger are you going to put the ring on? And I'm like, God, let's, let's hope I have to make that choice. Um, you know, so <laughs> So, um, yeah, so you see distinct things, you know, um, how I know how the temperature feels inside that organization when there's something big about to happen that, you know, maybe it's still in the rumor mill, but it may absolutely be advanced a little, um, you know, and, and we, I knew that the ducks were for sale at the time. No, I'm sorry. They weren't for sale yet. The, the angels were for sale and they had just gotten purchased by Arturo Moreno. So, um, so there was lots going on and then I made that choice that I had to leave. And so I went and took a job with like Fox sports, um, Fox sports grill. It was like akin to an ESPN zone. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so though, who knows, had I, the, the person who stayed, who I love, his name's Jason and he is now the general manager of Arctic, which is something around Orange County that has to do with Sam Welly and all these other things. But I just didn't think I had that kind of time, so I had to keep going. So that trajectory led me to Champaign, Illinois. <laughs> what a shot to Champaign, Illinois! Ooh, right? Yeah, right from Orange County. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, Champaign. Champaign is one of the nicest cities in the Champaign-Urbana area. Along with those four <laughs> super WalMarts that they have, they have the best WalMarts. They really do. Four. You can just cross the street and get to another one. <laughs> I had to spend some time in Champaign when the Bears were um, tweaking the Soldier Field, you know, which is not going to be defunct. But so we had to drive all the way down from Chicago to do all the Bears games down in Champaign, Illinois. And I think I'd only been there once. This is going back a ways when Bill Self was uh, coaching the basketball mm -hmm. team. Um, I think that's the reason why I went down because the team was doing so well. And I remember looking around because I'm thinking a name like Champaign, Illinois, right? I mean, it's not going to be like Chicago, but it's got to be something. Oh, it was something. It was something. I was like, it's, the beer, was of, it's the beer of Champaign. <laughs> I mean, listen, you know, not just um, it. I have friends that live there, but I I just, listen, know. it was great to me. It is the reason why people have to call me doctor. But right. at the same time, coming from California, to Champaign, I used to call it a one cow town. Um, and it is very, so when the students leave, you know that it's just townies, right? Population 1200. Right. But when the students come back, all of a sudden this injection of 50,000 crazies get in there. Um, great experience. I learned a lot yeah. that people, people, my friends were like, you'll go to Chicago all the time. I'm like, no, I won't. Why am I going to drive three and a half hours to go? No, I won't. And I didn't. So it was, but it was still, I have some of my best friends that I still talk to and love from my time in Shambana. Shambana. <laughs> hey, mm -hmm. so let me ask you this before I, I want to talk about some of the students that you've had and 
and how you've helped them actually get into, there's so many different aspects to sports. Um, so if there's any like kids in college that are, are listening um, to the podcast, or it's not just you have to be a writer or a sportscaster or do podcasts, there's so many other jobs. But I guess my question to you is, when you started getting into live events, and not even just working the events, you also, as an analyst and a consultant, consultant, the most interesting thing for me also that you have done is that you're kind of like a secret shopper for some of these teams oh, yeah, and for fun. the league. Um, yeah. tell, tell people what that is. And I, I kind of feel like, you know, I can hear like that, the music in the background, like from Mission Impossible. You know, dun, dun, <laughs> like you're just kind of, you know, undercover. It's kind of cool. So I have to give it to, um, so when I moved here in 2009, um, I would say that that bridge from the University of Minnesota's sport program to all the fantastic teams that existed here, nobody crossed it. Okay. And so when nobody crosses that bridge, it becomes one sided where people are just invited to come and speak. Well, mm -hmm. if you know me, I take a different <laughs> approach to that because not everybody wants to go on to grad school and write papers. They need experience to build that resume, even if it is just volunteering or, you know, showing up to give to do giveaways or something. It's showing that you can, you know, heed the call, that you can take instruction, that you can. It's something to talk about, too, right, when you go on that those real interviews. So I was lucky enough to meet um, Chris Wright uh, while he was mm -hmm. at the Wolves, and they weren't doing as well as they're, as they're doing right now. And so I effectively like to say that he handed me the keys to the kingdom. So I was able to implement some programs like um, the job shadow program. So because all these kids on the first day, they'll say, I'll say, what do you want to do? They're like, I want to work for, for the twins. I'm going to be a GM of the twins. And I'm like, well, Dave St. Peter ain't leaving. Right. So or I'll say, are you ready to move to, to, um, to, Iowa or not nothing wrong Champagne, with Iowa. Illinois. People, people do not write letters to Don about being in Iowa. Iowa's great. Um, but are you so ready to move? Yeah. Are you ready to move and do things in order to then realize what that is? Right. Mm -hmm. So um, we did the job shadowing and we put them with the next person who they'd likely be with, maybe an intern or an entry level person. But what I got to do is bring them in dressed business for business for work to understand that your day doesn't end at five. And it doesn't start at five. It actually right. started at 830. The game is gone. The doors open at this time. And I would put them on the front row, right? In those expensive seats that most of us can't afford. And right. then the team's warming up. And then I would grab somebody like Jeff Munich here or whatever to come and talk to them. So really create the experience, right? To understand this is the, this is what you want to get into. And this is, this is what it's like. And so I was able to run that program until I left. Um, and people got tons of jobs and internships from those, uh, just having that exposure and then not being a resume. Right. And right. so, um, so those were one of the things I did. Then came the 2014, um, all-star game for major league baseball that took place here. And, um, the twins were the hardest for, I thought I'm baseball family. The twins will open the doors. Not so much, but it, it, it worked after lots of volunteering at twins fest. Um, and telling them, and I would tell all these teams, I'm like, stop recruiting for volunteers. I have an army that's just ready to work. Right. And so we would, I would send 80 or 90 people to volunteer twins fest and wow. we're sitting there 
And uh, Dave Horsman would walk up, he walked up to me one day and said, what are you doing this summer? And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. All I know is I'm cold and <laughs> I'm tired. And then he goes, okay, great. So you're going to run this thing called the green team for the game this summer. And I was like, really? And I, I didn't say yes. And then he picks up the phone. He calls his contact at MLB, Paul Hanlon, and says, okay, we got this last part covered. Tiffany's going to do it. She works at the U. And just and then Paul's like, great. I'll, I'll see her when I start to come to town every month for meetings. And I was like, what did you just do? I'm so tired. <laughs> I can't even, I, I don't even realize it. So fast forward, I was able to make that a class. And so hustling to make that a class gave me the, you know, people can just show up, you can volunteer, but then you can go get lost in the crowd, right? Because there's a mm. hundred thousand other people there. And so I made it a class, which held them responsible to getting a grade. And so um, that gave a lot of people their first insight into what is sustainability when it comes to sports. So if you look at it, there's a student down running um, sustainability for the city of Rochester. Um, uh, Bradley Vogel is um, with the Green Sports Alliance. So a lot of those people, Caitlin Zarecki, she, I remember she did that, but she's working for the Vikings and the, um, she's like assistant to the GM and special administrative something. So there's people all over. But what the important thing is, is that you do so much in those four years that you have. So it communicates to a potential employer what you can do. Now, do you have to work in sports? Absolutely not. My my real estate agent has a sports management degree from Bemidji. Um, some right. people, a lot of people go in, they use this platform to go into medical sales. Um, mm-hmm. They use a platform to go into to pharmaceuticals. So we're at, and I always told them, I don't care what you do, just graduate, you know, right. so just graduate. So we were lucky enough to travel with MLB for four years as a class. So we ended up going to Cincinnati, Miami, and San Diego, um, running those classes. Um, and then I'm going to get to the last part of your question in just a sec, but, um, I just want to say one more thing about China. So not lots of kids want to go to China as their uh, kind of, you know, their vacation spot, right? So um, I was approached by my boss, Lili G, and he said, hey, um, you're going to go to China this summer. And I was like, no, I'm not. And he was like, what? I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> he's like, why? I go, I don't know. I just don't want to. And then he's like, okay, well, you're going. Forget I asked. You're going. Um, so I end up. <laughs> Forget again, I asked. I'm telling Yeah. So I end up hustling a bunch of kids again and convincing them that the best thing that they wanted to do that summer was spend time in China. And most of them were like, no, I don't. (laughs) And I said, yeah, you do. Um, Because it's so easy to go to London, right? It's so easy to go to places where they speak English and you're going to be comfortable. I'm challenging you to be uncomfortable. And so um, the class made, we went it was fantastic. I fell in love and I kept it cheap. So it was around 2,500 bucks, travels, hotel, lodging, everything. And that was important too. You have to keep it affordable. And so I did that. We went nine times and I never had to wow. advertise for that class once. And, um, and kids, and I said, and I had to, what I did was I positioned it well, right? I said, lots of companies and people are doing business in China. So when you can say as a part of your resume is like, yes, I've been there. I was only there for two or three weeks. However, I'm ready to go back and I'm not nervous about it. So whatever business you're doing there, I will always volunteer. Right. Wow. So those were the stories that you want to put out. 
and why it's on there and why you did it and so on and so forth. So what was the last part of that question as I went in a tangent about... Oh, no, that last part was when you're the secret shopper for these oh, yeah. teams. <laughs> um, so um, I learned yes. so much from you about that. So that started with my friend, JT Klingemeyer, who I mentioned before. Um, we we're both from Orange County. And um, I used to work for his dad at this thing called the Sawdust Festival when I was... Um, probably like 18. Um, and so fast forward, JT trying to do his thing in sports and security ends up with a company called Prevent Advisors and they do red team. It's called red teaming. And so they do red teams for all over the world, the country and for lots of teams. And so he was trying to get in with baseball. And because of my interactions with my, all, my, um, green team, my green team role, I was able to help introduce him to the baseball people that made those decisions. And so anytime he needed somebody, he would call me. So I spent a lot of time in Philadelphia hitting the Phillies, um, a lot of time in St. Louis hitting the blues. Um, I couldn't do Minnesota because Dave said, Tiffany, all my staff will just open the door for you because they love you so much and they won't <laughs> even care what you want or why you're here or ask for a credential because Which they just true. see you around here. And I was like, fine, fine, fine. Take money out of my pocket. Um, so what we would do, yeah, is we want to, the goal is always to make a lot of this for, for his group was teams want to be, um, got safety act certified and mm -hmm. safety act certified means that you've done everything imaginable to prepare yourself if something does happen. And if something does happen, you have this, um, this, uh, this certification that you can lean on that says, yes. I got certified through Homeland Security, and these are the things that we did to identify and recognize. So I had to go open, a, we had to sneak in, open a lot of doors that shouldn't be opened, um, photograph it, and just kind of make sure that, um, you know, I could tell then the whoever was my contact there, I could have shut this whole game down by just right. pulling all these cords in this, in this thing, I, this room I was in, or I got in with a weapon, or nobody checked my bag, I was just way through. So that was great. And then, so that led into me doing some form of that for the Minnesota Timberwolves because they were really working on their guest experience program and how, because the team wasn't winning. And when you don't win, what else can you offer your guests to keep them coming? And so we were able to work through a lot of things about um, concessions and, and also motivating part-timers and, and recognition. So if you've been to a game and you see them call the part-timers down to the, to the court, and they right. give them like um, a jersey now, I think is what it is. Mm -hmm. That's my program. And I tell nice. Jeff Munich all the time that I want my royalties <laughs> <laughs> because they were giving them um, all, we were, they were experimenting with all kinds of different things, like these colorful bands and all this stuff. And I was like, what is the one thing people want when they come here that they aren't able to get? They want to go on the court, especially if they're working at the very top of the arena. Right. They want to be down there. And so now that has been going on for several years and it's had an evolution process, but it's fantastic because now those part timers who take a lot of abuse from unruly fans about nonsense most of the time, um, you know, they have their they, they, know, they can handle it and they, they wait to get their, you know, this is why we appreciate you. Right. Right. And so. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I did that for, for them for a long time. I, I did the Vikings. Um, I think only once when they first moved in, but that was more about wayfinding. And, you know, they used to have terrible wayfinding when that building opened. Yeah. It was terrible. 
Um, but yeah, so it's been it's been a great ride. And now my consulting consists of economic impact studies for lots of uh, large um, events. So I have um, we did X Games for a long time, but COVID shut us down for that last year. And then ESPN sold them. Right. If, if, correct me if I'm wrong. So we're not involved in X Games anymore. But we do have, and this, I'm saying this for a reason. When if anybody's going to the Big Ten um, men's and men's or women's basketball championships that are here in the cities, please fill out my survey. Um, so because we just really want to keep these events coming to town. And oh, there's a survey order, that they're handing out. Like explain uh, no, that I'm, a little bit more. So no, actually, I'm going to do it digitally, and okay. you are going to get it if you have a ticket. Or if you visit one of our events, there's either going to be a QR code or you'll see uh-huh. me in the flesh and not just hear my voice because I'll be walking around. Um, it'll be digital so that we don't want to inconvenience anybody. They could do it from their phones or from their computer. Right. Um, just to talk about, you know, why they came, who they're affiliated with, what they spent, because what we're trying to look at, and it's anonymous, you don't have to put a name or an email to this. And we're just trying to tell the we're just trying to tell the story about how these events are important and it mm-hmm. gives families something to do, something to look forward to, something to um, put on their calendar. And so then we want to take all this data and then present it to the powers that be. So we'll be sticking around for um, both championship tournaments and the USA Gymnastics in June as well. So again, so if you have any, if you're, if you're there and you're like, Ooh, I recognize that voice. Cause I talk really loud. Um, come talk to me and we'll get you <laughs> all signed up. Um, but we don't want to be invasive and it's really, it's really for the good of the community. And in fact, the entire state, because Minneapolis, I'm sorry, Minnesota sports and events, the, yes. the sports commissions that we have here that is recently new. They're trying to make sure that we have something to do from the top of the state up to Moorhead and Bemidji to St. Cloud to Rochester and to, you know, Mankato. And I'm sure I didn't say those in the way that I meant to North to South, um, that it's not just about St. Paul, Minnesota, that we bring, um, you know, ancillary events that are a part of the big events up to those communities. But we need to know who you are in order to do that. Yeah. They, so. they, Wendy and everyone over there, they've been doing amazing work. Um, to kind of bring awareness. And and I love this podcast today with you because people don't really know the business behind a lot of these things that go on. You know, they don't realize that the Vikings will hire, uh, you know, someone like you to, to make their experience better. The Timberwolves, you know, like they care about the events that they put on and people always say, Oh, it's a business of sports. It's more than just contracts for the athletes. It's getting these teams running on so many different levels. I mean, I can't tell you any part of my career that ever touched uniform personnel. Right. Um, and by uniform personnel, we mean the the, the actual players who make money. Um, there's not one portion of my career that dealt with them specifically, but it was about them and their safety, but more about a seamless event for the fans that from the minute they got on our parking in our parking lot, to the minute they left, it was, it needed to be seamless. It needed right. to be no, if, if there was a bathroom that was out, if their seat was broken, they didn't need to know about it because we'd already relocated them. Um, <clears throat> if there was an issue so that it's, it's about them. It's about you. It's about the person who wants to spend their discretionary income to come and either just come to a game, support their child who may be in that game, support their kid who loves links basketball. 
Um, that's what it's about. And I know a lot of times it doesn't seem like that because everybody, we think that, oh, they're just making so much money. I can't believe it. Um, and I don't think that's the case. I think that people are concerned that people can't afford to go to a Vikings game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. We have this beautiful building that a large percentage of the community will never be able to go inside and witness something that they've been fans of for their entire lives. But it's our job to make sure that we get other family-friendly events in there where you can go in and bring your kids and and do things as a family. And that's what's important. So we are looking at, people are looking out for you. Well, Tiffany, we could talk with you like all day long because every time, I've known you for years now, and every time we talk on the business side of sports, I always learn something. So um, I would love to have you on again. Uh, in the future, especially after some of these big events go down here in uh, Minnesota and, you know, just how proficient I think Minnesota is now putting themselves on the map this way, you know, hosting the Super Bowl now in the past, hosting, you know, the final fours. Now we've got the big 10 championships, like lots of large events and moving people around and keeping people safe. It's just a, a huge, huge business in and of itself. And then, you know, you get to the spokes of all the different teams. So, um, thank you so much. I really appreciate you spending some time with us and letting people know out there, you don't have to be a writer or a broadcaster or, you know, the GM of the team. There's so many other huge, huge jobs in sports. Um, and especially you making a pathway for not only women, but women of color. Um, I am so proud to say that I am your friend as well as knowing you business-wise. So thank you so much. Oh, you're the bestest. Um, Yeah, I appreciate the ask. 100% appreciate the ask. And I'm happy that we were able to make this work. And I will send you a photo. Yes. Send me your best photo. Because she wouldn't take one of my dog, you guys. I tried to use my dog. Macaroni is so damn cute. I said, when we promote this show, can you give me a... (laughs) You know, I always ask people, you give me a photo because I never want someone to take some random photo of me and stick it on the internet, right? Like a friend of mine the other day posted something like, here's my friend. And I'm like, I love her. I'm like, apparently you hate me by posting that picture. You know, it's like you need to ask people. That's all I'm Mm -hmm. saying. You know, a good friend is one that says, can I post this? Thank you. We will be friends forever. Okay. All right, Dr. Tiffany Richardson, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you, Tiffany. Bye. Bye. Oh, Tiff, you were awesome. Thank you. Thank you.